You're now listening to episode 69 of the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Tom Costello here today with Sean Doherty, multifamily investor and vice president at Integro Insurance Brokers. In this episode, we're going to discuss what you need to know about obtaining insurance for your property, including at what point you should start looking for insurance, what questions you should be asking insurance brokers, what you need to have ready when getting a quote, how to make sure you're properly covered, and more. Before we jump right into today's episode, I want to let everybody know that the Real Estate CPA will be putting on special virtual workshops in October, November, and December of this year, where we will discuss year-end tax tips for the first 15 to 20 minutes and then open up the room for questions. This is the perfect opportunity to get answers to your last-minute tax questions before the year ends. Seats will be limited, and you can sign up by visiting www.therealestatecpa.com backslash virtual-workshops or by following the link in the show notes below. But that's not all. We heard your feedback from last year and created a personalized year-end tax planning service for new clients that includes one tax estimate, a call with one of our tax strategists, and a written year-end action plan that includes the steps you'll need to take to implement any last-minute tax strategies to minimize your tax liability. If you're interested in this service, head over to www.therealestatecpa.com slash year end and fill out the form located right on the page and Brandon or myself will get back to you within one to three business days to schedule an initial consultation. If you're already a client, don't worry, we'll be sending out year end tax planning emails to you over the next few weeks to schedule your year end tax planning call, but feel free to contact your tax strategist to get a head start on the process. And without further ado, we'll jump right into today's episode. Sean, thanks for taking the time to come on the show today. Can you give our listeners a little information about your background and how you got to where you are today? Great. Thanks, Thomas, for having me. Uh, my name is yeah, Sean Doherty. I'm a third-generation insurance broker, and so I help out uh, consults with various property owners, businesses for their insurance needs. And I work for a firm called Epic Insurance uh, Brokers and Consultants, and we're a top 10 uh privately held brokerage uh, in the country. And we have about 2,000 employees across the nation. And we you know, specialize in various industries and real estate being one of them, but you know, various other industry sectors. And uh, I have you know, various team members to lean on from. Uh, my job is to understand the business and set them up properly for their insurance needs on you know, the buying a building, uh, the liability aspect, but and also have a claims advocacy team um, at my disposal as well. Nice. And uh, yeah, and I wanted to uh, yeah, mention that, you know, um, I'm a real estate investor myself, um, really enjoy kind of the aspects in that for wealth building and kind of hence the reason for maybe on the, your podcast today of um, hopefully give value to your listeners with insurance as it's been uh, vital to my success, I guess, with uh, real estate investing. And so it's always good to uh, work with business partners and vendors who are actually doing what you're doing. So now, if you're a multifamily investor or you're you know you're out there, you're investing in buying old properties, you know, definitely good to work with somebody who knows who knows what you're going through. So what type of uh, investors do you work with specifically? Is it multifamily, self-storage, office, single family? 
Yeah, so I work kind of across the gamut uh, in terms of working with a multifamily, some office, industrial, hotel, uh, developers, you know, it's definitely in the single family space. Yeah, I you know, love talking shop. Um, and I was definitely a hotel owner recently. I met with him and, you know, we're talking about opportunity zones. And um, so it's nice to be able to mix kind of a passion of mine to what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. Awesome. Awesome. So what type of uh, questions should an investor be asking a broker when choosing or determining what broker to work with? So I like to kind of look kind of both ways and different cap uh, hats you kind of wear with investing and insurance. So you want to make sure someone has a track record. Uh, they're in the space. They might get references or referrals in that. So when you're buying a property, especially like multifamily, you're getting your property manager involved. You're getting your legal team, your accounting team all set up. Insurance is going to come into play. Um, it's a necessity to do business and uh, you know pillar to the economy. So once you're getting that kind of aspect going in terms of you're doing your pro formas, you're running your numbers, you want to start getting the broker involved. And you want to yeah, kind of feel them out. Um, it boils down to no like and trust. Uh, you want to make sure that somebody has your best interest at heart. Insurance is, to me, like a language. And so you want to be able to have someone walk you through kind of the policy language, um, help you set up from a proper risk transfer. With the premiums that business owners pay, not every insurance policy is made to be the same. Not every broker is the same. Uh, but you want to make sure you have somebody who's has your best interest at heart and essentially have had the best coverage, you know, basically the lowest price as well. Um, and they have options out there uh, when you're talking with them. Uh, with getting a broker, you can go to maybe an agent. You hear about with State Farm. State Farm is able to give you just that. With a broker, you're going to hopefully get options and be able to see and find out where are they stronger on the coverages and what to look for um, with getting a the policy in place. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when is the best time to start looking for insurance? Is it when the property's under contract, before the property's under contract, if the property's been purchased? When is the ideal time to start having these conversations? I would say once you're starting to really plug into the numbers of kind of the performance, like you're having conversations with property managers, I would mm-hmm. start getting references and referrals for an insurance broker that you can talk to. You want to make sure when you're buying a property, um, you're not just taking what they have on the property in terms of the, the coverage that they have in place there. They might be missing something that might be grandfathered in. Um, it's amazing, uh, you know, similar business to, you know, taxes. Uh, you're hearing Brandon and yourself talk about there's you know, 88% of your tax returns you guys review are, you know, incorrect. Uh, that's very similar to the business I run into. Uh, we do reviews of their, their policies, the language that they have. And majority of my clients that I have now uh, were deficient before. And so it's important to find somebody right from kind of the get-go once you're really serious about the properties that you're, you're trying to buy to get them involved and be like a trusted partner as part of your team. Absolutely. Got to agree there 100%. What type of uh, information does the investor need to bring to you uh, when looking for a quote on a property? Yeah. So it's uh, important to um, understand like what type of property it is in terms of what it's going to be used for. But there's key underwriting information that insurance underwriters need for pricing. And so it's like the year bill, the construction type. And ideally, you want to find out what updates have been done to the property. Is it in like the last 20 years, has the, the roof been updated? 
has the electrical been updated? What type of electrical is it? Aluminum, copper, you want to understand all that. Heating, plumbing, um, that all factors into the pricing you get. And uh, if there's ever been any claims on the property, you want to know that as well. So that's where you're hopefully in your due diligence process runs. And that shows the lost history of the actual policies that have been in place. And if they moved around, then you have to get uh, additional loss runs from that particular insurance company. So, yeah, it's all factored in. Um, you might need to fill out an application or, you know, give them just the necessary information of what the specs are of that property. So um, that trusted broker can go find you uh, some options. How does the investor know when they ultimately, if they have the proper coverage on the property, uh, what risks do they need to make sure they're insured for? So, yeah, it's going, going back to kind of the know, like, and trust somebody's in the space, uh, kind of using that. There. And then some key coverages that I like to look out for, especially on the, the property aspect. And it was just amazing today. This morning, uh, I was looking over a, a policy that from one of uh, our competitors that was missing building coverage when the our owner owns the building. And so they were totally missing that. It was just kind of uh, almost blatant. So in the sense of, yeah, you want to make sure you have building coverage and that is replacement um, cost. We're bringing up the value um, if you need to rebuild it. And then the next uh, term would be uh, business interruption or business income. And that would be in, like coming to play for like, especially on multifamily and loss of rent. And so if there's a fire in the complex, you're still getting money coming in to you know, satisfy the debts, satisfy the investors, um, and so forth. There's one key coverage there that you have to get an enhancement on if you get a business owner's policy, and that combines property and general liability. There's a component that it has 12 months of actual loss sustained. And what that means is they'll pay basically loss of rents for a year. And you want to make sure you get somebody who's proactive in the sense of trying to get 18 or 24 months. So you get the most uh, time frame as possible. Because if a building burns down, chances are it's going to take a lot longer to rebuild than just a year. So you want to make sure that um, those enhancements are there. Um, there could be a wording of coinsurance in there. And ideally, you don't want to have that language in there. Uh, this is a... I know, very high level, a complicated way of insurance companies to potentially penalize a building owner for undervaluing their property. And, you know, you see on the, the policy decorations of maybe a hundred grand and you're underinsured potentially, the actual loss, when you have a fire, will be significantly lower than that hundred grand because of that coinsurance clause. So ideally not to have that in there, um, you want to make sure you have building ordinance coverage in place. In the sense of if you have an older building and you want to do a rebuild cost is in the building limit, um, but you need additional funds to build it up to code once it's rebuilding it. And if you have sprinklers or ADA compliance issues that you need to get up to that certain code and that uh, jurisdiction. So that's where that coverage will come into play. Um, and then on the liability section, you want to make sure you have probably an umbrella in place. So that's uh, $1 million, $2 million is uh, the general liability. And then the umbrella would kick in um, if you exhaust, you know, based off of a bodily injury or property damage uh, type of claim. And so they would be able to help protect uh, the assets of that property owner. 
do you see umbrella policies on entire portfolios or is it just usually on a per property basis? So it would be an umbrella. Um, it's really based off of the individual. So if they have more assets, then they have more to lose. And so that's where the protection of an umbrella would kind of kick in. So um, if they're just buying a building and but they're a, and a wealthy individual, then I would have encouraged the, the property owner to get an umbrella in place right from the get-go just for their first building. So like no like and trust factor is, is big big when you're when you're dealing with anybody, you know, whenever you're you're purchasing, you know, insurance or you're purchasing pretty much anything um in this space. Outside of that, how do you know you're getting a good price on your insurance policy? Well, I think it's just good coming back to yeah, the no like and trust is that, you know, hopefully you have somebody who's proactive educating you. Um and then if you wanted to get other brokers involved to kind of compete against it kind of keep them honest there's a possibility of doing that but it really boils down to do you have somebody who's in your corner walking you through the process in terms of making sure you have the best products from an insurance marketplace so um, i like to be proactive in that sense of you know when it comes up for renewal that we can kind of maybe lay out expectations Um, we're seeing definitely across the board and even across the nation that property rates um, are going up and you can definitely see in the double digits and that's just part of the what the market is. There's been a lot of losses that have happened in California, uh, where I'm located, with fires, and then you see like floods and hurricanes um, all over the country that have um, helped drive kind of the the insurance costs to go up, especially on on the the property aspect. And if they should hopefully have maybe some analytics and maybe some benchmarking to help you compare as well with other companies at your size as well. Got it. Do you see the prices of insurance policies varying from market to market? Like, are there, you know, uh, I would imagine perhaps in Florida, it might be certain parts of Florida, at least, there might be higher price on insurance policies uh, just based on uh, the natural climate or or the type of natural disasters that could potentially occur. Yeah, no, it's definitely across the gamut. And yeah, it's definitely regionalized with kind of what you pay for like price per unit. Mm-hmm. You know, I see a lot of uh, deals you know, from an investment standpoint or from a insurance aspect, you know, definitely in the 300 range might be cost per unit, but you might have some that pay more because of their region and then based off of their loss experience. And they might have a lot of claims on their portfolio. And so therefore, they're, that would drive the cost. But yeah, so like Florida, for example, you're going to have to buy a separate wind policy because of the all the chances of hurricanes there. Um, California, you have to understand that, you know, depending on where you are, you might have a, a chance of earthquake if you're in the Bay Area, um, especially. And uh, I have somebody uh, with being a broker, too, is that understands kind of the region you're in, the, the higher chances of uh, losses that you're going to come across, and just helping you kind of uh, navigate and uh, be proactive as much as possible to that process. Guy, is there anything that we haven't discussed yet? Any considerations investors need to take into account when purchasing insurance that we have not touched on just yet? Yeah, I would say uh, on like the larger syndicators, definitely see this on various other industries. Maybe it's overlooked as a cyber data breach insurance. So if you have anybody that is collecting uh, personal identifiable information, which is could be bank accounts, social security numbers, and you might have that from your investors, uh, you are vulnerable for any sort of data breach. And rather than self-insuring that, you can pay a minimal cost and have that transferred over to an insurance company to help you pay for any of the uh, forensic to find out how it happens, notification costs, uh, 
and then uh, identity theft. So there's all kinds of things you can do uh, with an insurance policy with that. Uh, definitely the property is you want to make sure that you have somebody on the insurance aspect that really knows the ins and outs. Um, and you might have to get special wording. So if you're getting larger and larger, um, you make sure you have a broker that can uh, kind of grow with you in the sense of if you're adding on to your portfolio. Uh, makes sense. Makes sense. Now, I know this wasn't something we discussed before, but is, is there any nightmare stories you have or any any horror stories you could you would be able to share for people who maybe made mistakes and should have did something before it before it happened, but they just failed to do so? Well, definitely uh it's just being in the space for you know a few years now and kind of my job. Uh definitely seeing a lot more claims come across and just it's amazing kind of things to happen. Um, you know, drunk drivers hitting a fire hydrants on a hotel client of mine and water gets into 10 or so units and they have a lot of damage into those units. They can't rent it out. Uh, so it, things kind of happen. And uh, colleagues of mine have had uh, one of their building owners have a homeless person start a fire right near the building and got the whole building on fire. Things just happen and you want to make sure that you can kind of sleep at night in the sense of if something does happen, you can rely on your insurance policy to make you whole. So that's kind of uh, a big component of mine is just hearing more and more of these uh, kind of horror stories that it just makes sure that you know, I just try to take a lot of pride in what I do and making sure that we have the proper protection in place. 100%. So, you know, this is an accounting and tax podcast, so we have to get to the accounting and tax questions. And uh, what would be your favorite tax strategy or the best tax advice that you ever received? Well, I think, yeah, being a real estate investor and first starting out like single family homes, kind of understanding the the tax strategy is uh, understanding the between the repair and improvement. Um, we made a lot of repairs on a bathroom that needed to be done, and then uh, understanding you know the improvements. You're you know depreciating things maybe over uh, 28 years time, but you know better than I do. But mm-hmm. it, that was kind of a a wow moment of how powerful you know real estate uh, investing can be. Absolutely. You know, understanding the difference between a repair and maintenance expense and a capital improvement and just understanding how to categorize those could easily save you a few thousand dollars in taxes just by trying your best to categorize as many of your rehab renovation expenses as possible as repair and maintenance expenses that are immediately deductible. That's the goal. I know we do have a podcast episode that is dedicated to this topic. And uh, I think Brennan does a great job explaining it in, in episode 61, The Ultimate Guide to Tax Planning for Landlords and Buy and Hold Investors. He goes through that topic pretty thoroughly. Uh, so if you're interested in learning more about that, you definitely could check that out uh, for all the listeners out there. Let me ask you another question. So what, you have two fi- single-family rentals. How do, you, how do you handle bookkeeping on those properties? Uh, we do it ourselves right now, my wife and I. Nice. Nice. You use a, like a spreadsheet or you QuickBooks Online. How, how do you end up getting tackling it from that angle uh spreadsheet yeah spreadsheets great you know we're we're big believers that spreadsheets can be very powerful in certain circumstances so good to hear using those um what would be your favorite piece of technology or mobile app that you're currently using in your business i enjoy using a calendly that's outside scheduling assistance and then uh grammarly is a something I use on a daily basis as well, kind of help proofread uh, any lengthy emails that I send out, um, help you stay professional, and uh, any blogs um, I, I do on uh, my capital um, raising fronts. 
Absolutely. Grammarly has been a lifesaver so many times for me when I've been sending out emails to clients or you know, like writing blogs or anything where uh, the English language has evolved and saved me many times. Definitely recommend checking that out. Um, so if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to do so? Uh, emails are definitely a way. Um, I have a lengthy spelling name. Uh, it's Sean period Doherty at epicbrokers.com. You can get in contact with me. Um, we'll put on the show notes. Um, also can, uh, reach me on my cell phone directly at, uh, 209-601-2288. Uh, I love talking shop about real estate, um, as well. So if anyone just wants to get someone to talk to you about real estate, I'm happy to talk about that as well. Awesome. We'll drop that in the show notes and I uh, want to thank you for coming on. We're looking forward to uh, getting this out there. Thank you for having me. Hey everyone. Thanks for coming back to the debrief segment of today's podcast on property insurance with Sean Doherty. I want to first off thank Sean for coming on the show and taking the time to explain property insurance for our audience. We all know the importance of insurance when you're purchasing large assets. Uh, you definitely want to make sure that you're getting the proper amount of coverage that everything that needs to be in the insurance policy is included, especially when you have investors, because your job as as a, a syndicator or sponsor, you know, you're fiduciary and you want to make sure that you're properly protecting your investors from the downside risks that could come uh, from the insurance. So when it comes to proper coverage, not all insurance policies are made equal. Not all areas of the country require the same coverage. For example, if you're in Florida, you're going to want to look at flood insurance, hurricane insurance. If you're in California, you might be looking at fire insurance and just want to make sure that you have these types of insurance in your policy and that you are indeed properly covered and that you have the proper amounts of coverage. Uh, that's also very important. You don't want to skimp on this aspect. And also, you don't want to overpay for insurance either. So that's why it's just really important to have a trusted team member on your team, someone like Sean, who you can go to and get the advice on the insurance that you know that they have your back. You know that they're going to help you uh, get the proper insurance policy in place to protect you and your investors if you have them. So with that said, we're going to just move right into our Q&A segment of the podcast today. And we've been getting a lot of questions on episode 21 uh, people have noticed that has been missing, asking where it is and how they can listen to it, and just want to give a little bit of an explanation behind that. So episode 21 was on a tax strategy that has come under some controversy over the last year. So we decided to take it down until the dust settles. At some point, we do hope to put it back up. But today we do have a question from Bradley. And Bradley says, I'm starting to give financial assistance to my retired parents, which I expect to increase with their age. My W-2 income puts me in the 35% tax bracket. I have a growing portfolio of residential rental properties and want to establish a tax strategy that can more efficiently utilize my parents' low tax bracket. I'm currently paying 35% on my rental proceeds and assisting my parents with after-tax money. My father is capable of many property management type tasks while my mother is capable of administrative and record keeping tasks. Would it be better to pay them with specific tasks outright and use a deduction on my properties? Or is there some kind of strategy that could utilize some kind of distributions that would be more efficient? So Bradley, just want to start out by saying, I really feel like this is something you should touch base with a tax advisor on, perhaps your own CPA. If you don't have a CPA who's familiar with real estate, you know, we'd be happy to help you out if that does make sense. 
but I'm just going to give you a few pointers right here, some things that I'm seeing uh, that might be able to help you out. So first thing I'm seeing is, yes, you can pay your parents. I think that would make sense. When you do pay your parents, you, the first thing you have to decide is whether or not to pay them W-2 versus 1099. If they're going to be working for you on a consistent and a regular basis, you're probably going to want to go the W-2 route. If they're working for you only periodically, you may be able to go the 1099 route. Again, this is something that you should really seek the advice of a tax advisor for. But either way, whichever way you go, you can pay them. It will be an expense on your profit and loss statement. So it's going to decrease your taxable rental income. And it's going to basically it's going to help move some of the money that you're paying tax on at the 35% tax bracket into their pocket, which they can pay tax at their lower tax rate. And that you can use almost as a way to provide that assistance for them. Uh, they can work for you. You can get that tax uh, reduction or that tax, uh, yeah, the tax deduction, I mean, rather. And they can uh, be putting some money into their pockets. Uh, now, that said, another thing I just wanted to point out here is that you are paying tax on your rental income, which is something that may be avoidable. There's something called uh, depreciation expense, which I'm sure uh, you may be aware of. It's a non-cash expense that decreases your taxable income, but does not necessarily decrease your cash flow. And there's ways that depreciation expense can be increased. And it can be generally increased through the use of cost segregation studies, which to just make a long story short, it breaks down the various components of your property into shorter depreciable class lives. And with the use of 100% bonus depreciation, you can actually take much of the depreciation that you would take over many years all in the first year. So when your depreciation expense increases, uh, it often puts you into a loss scenario where you'll actually be creating you know, cash flow, real cash you can put into your pocket, but you're going to show up paper loss and you're not going to pay tax on your rental income. So that's something you're going to want to explore as well. Uh, explore cost segregation studies that might eliminate the entire tax liability you're already paying on your rental income. Now, that said, uh, that doesn't mean that you still can't pay your parents. And that, from what I'm seeing right here, may be the, still a good route to go. Pay your parents um, so that you're assisting them with pre-tax dollars. Definitely consult a tax advisor. If you don't have one, we'd be happy to take a look at your situation. You can find out more by going to therealestatecpa.com backslash become dash client. And we'd be happy to take a look at your situation and see if there is a way we can help. Uh, now, Everybody who's listening out there, if you do want us to answer your tax question, head on over to www.therealestatecpa.com slash podcasts. Drop your question in that box, hit the submit button, and we may just answer it live. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients, and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes and with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.